0: Scripture reading this morning will be taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, starting in verse 43. Again, John, chapter 1, starting in verse 43. The Pew Bibles, and this morning I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The following day... The city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also of the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything become good come out of Nazareth? good morning we hope that the time here here is a great encouragement to us we want everyone here uh, to serve God none of us are perfect here but we And let's make sure that we strive to do that in our life. You may have heard of the young author. He's 12 years old. The author of the writings is Journey Through the Heart Songs. This author has appeared on Good Morning America, the Today Show, and even Oprah Winfrey's show. You see, this young author is... The writings and the insight that this young author writes are amazing. Listen to this one writing and Some Day, those things were not available for that young author to see, but this is what is written. I was going to thank you tonight for all of these special gifts, except that none of them happened. But do you know what? I still love you, God. And I have lots of other things that I can thank you for tonight, even if you didn't give those very special gifts to me today. It's okay, God, because I'll look for them all again. When my tomorrow comes, if we were to just take the time in a Bible class setting and said, "What do you think is the theme of that short story?" Thanksgiving is a part of that theme. I agree that faithfulness, faithful to God, no matter what. Where we don't see the sunrise or at least the sunrise we want to see, and we don't see the, the folding out of a day in the way that we wanted that day to unfold. And we're not going to see the sun that we hope to see that day. But can we listen to the words of a 12-year-old and say, "God, that's OK. I still love you and I'm still serving you, and I still want to be yours." Because when it's all said and done, faithfulness is about our relationship to God. Not about a selfish attitude that says, God, I'll serve you if. Isn't faith believing in what we can't see? And what, when we... in faith. Are we tossed to and fro? If it's a good day, I love God. If it's a hard day, I'm giving up on God. We'll serve God. God. Great prosperity, we forget God. Emergency room visits, we remember God. Where we're going in this introduction, you won't really hear it all this morning. We'll get the beginning of this sermon, and then tonight, contrary to what's on your bulletin, tonight we'll finish this. But by the time we've put together the glimpses in the Scriptures that we have of the Apostle Philip, we're going to see a man that started out strong. But then as John unfolds a few glimpses of Philip, we see that one time God just asked him a question to test him, and the truth is he didn't pass the test very well. Another time, he's going to lead some Greeks to Jesus, but he has to go through Andrew first. And then finally, the last time we see Philip is in the 14th chapter, where after spending so many years with Jesus, he has that lack of faith that would cause him to say, can you just show us the Father? And Jesus would just almost be astounded for several verses saying, Have I been with you this long? We have a strong start. But let's also make sure that we're seeing Jesus the way Jesus wants us to see. When we look at the great apostle Philip, and I say great in the sense that For all we know, he was dedicated to God. But you know, we see that he apparently struggled in things just like many of us struggle. I can identify with Philip in that sense. And maybe this morning you're sitting here saying, absolutely I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and absolutely I want to serve God. But you know, if I had to describe my faith right now, I'd have to describe my faith as, yes, I'm struggling. Well, welcome to a bunch more folks. I'm concerned about someone that kind of puts their shoulders back and their chest out and says, man, I'm as faithful as I've ever been. I've got Christianity by the handle. I hope this morning that you and I are as faithful as we've ever been. But you know what? When I look in the Scriptures, I find out something. Faithfulness never comes easy. Let's study about a man that by the time we finish tonight's lesson, it's going to be obvious that this man's faithfulness was not easy. I believe he was faithful. But he seemed to limp and struggle all along the way. Except for the beginning. He had a great beginning. Now let's think this morning about that great beginning. We will leave here at least with a great beginning. Let's think first about the apostles. Throughout the year, we're studying various apostles. apostles. And this morning, we study Philip. Philip is, if you want to think about it, he's almost like the unofficial, official leader of the outside. If you'll remember, for the last four times we've studied the apostles, we studied the inner circle. You know, Peter and Andrew and James and John. We've had four lessons on each one of those. uh, A lesson on each one of those. Now, as we think about it, as names are mentioned in the scriptures, the order that they are mentioned is of great importance. If you're just And if you'll notice in Matthew the 10th chapter, we have the inner circle mentioned in verse two. Now once the inner circle is mentioned, who's mentioned next? Of course, we see that it's Philip, verse 3. Now, let's go to Mark. In Mark, the third chapter, if you see in verse 16, you see the inner circle mentioned as the apostles are being listed in the gospel account of Mark. Andrew is mentioned in verse 18, which completes the inner circle. Now, who's the first one that's mentioned? Philip is the first one that's mentioned again. Let's look again now to Luke. When we look at Luke, the sixth chapter, beginning at 13... He identifies the fact that the 12 have been chosen. They're going to be named apostles. He tells in verse 14 of the inner circle and then toward the end of 14, the first one that's listed again is Philip. What is this telling us? This tells us that of the outside, there must have been one that was somewhat the unofficial leader of those that were left behind from time to time. Think about it for a moment. When we read, especially, of, and of Peter, James, and John, that's the closest of the inner circle. Andrew's put in that mix sometime. But think for just a moment. The mountain of transfiguration, the healing of Jairus' daughter, Jesus inviting only the inner circle to go further with him in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prays. Those were things only for the inner circle. Now, what about these other eight or nine guys that are left behind? What are they doing? Well, they were continuing their ministry for Jesus Christ. For example, we know for a fact in Matthew, the 17th chapter, when at least three of them were up on the mountain of transfiguration, when Jesus and those were coming down from the mountain of transfiguration, there in the valley, the others remained, and a man brought his son healed, and those disciples that were left behind tried to heal the man's son, and he couldn't be healed. And so the man turned to Jesus when Jesus came onto the scene, and Jesus healed the man. And these disciples that were left behind later asked Jesus, Why couldn't we do that? And he was told, Because of your unbelief. This kind of power, this kind of faith, comes only through much prayer and much fasting. Now what's the point? Disciples were left behind to carry out the ministry, while Jesus died as the unaffiliated. the man that we're going to study about tonight that seemed to... Listen. If you think that ministers and elders and deacons and your Bible class teacher that taught you or your children this morning don't struggle with their walk with Jesus Christ yourself. And as we grow, we strive to become more like what God wants us to be. But as long as we're on this earth, we never leave Satan's environment. We never leave his world. We never leave his kingdom. We're not to be of the world, but we are definitely in the world. And so this morning, we think about Philip, a man that was a leader, an appointed apostle, apparently one of the leaders of the apostles. But yet, he struggled. The word Philip is a Greek name. It means a lover of horses. Now, it's interesting that he being a Jew is always referred to in the Scriptures by his Greek name. If you'll think back to your history a little bit, a quick refresher course. At about 4th century B.C., it was Alexander the Great that came through the Mediterranean. And middle of the, much of the Middle East became greatly influenced by the Greeks. Now, this this is going to ring a bell to you in just a moment. Now, now think about this. Many of them, even though they were Jews, they began to speak Greek. They began to take on much of the customs and the cultures of Greek. And that... Do you remember an chapter? You remember there was a division somewhat between some of the widows, the Hellenistic widows, and, and we see that those that had kind of the Jewish background, the Hebrew background, they were the ones that were being taken care of day to day. But those who had the background that was in the Greek, those were being neglected with the daily provision. but don't confuse him with the Philip that is chosen. The same Philip that whenever we read in Acts 8 of going and studying with the Ethiopian. And as a matter of fact, it rings very And you remember, and transfer the gift of the Holy Spirit because he wasn't an apostle. So don't confuse the Philip we're studying with this morning of that Philip in the the century. ...been so capably read for us just a few minutes ago in John, the first chapter. And let's look at the great start that he had. Now, as we look to this, this text that's already read, let's go to the next slide. We've had it read for us. Let's go to the next slide, and let's notice this. Number one... Philip recognized something. Can't find and look at that text there in John one. No. Did not repent. Woe to you! Ended long ago in sackcloth and ashes. You see the point now. Keep your text open here. We're going to go on down a little further, but you see the, the elementary point that's being made here. He's saying, "I want to tell you about some wicked cities." He says, here are cities that Jesus came in and he did such powerful works that if other cities that are known for being heathen cities, if they would have seen these works, they would have repented and followed the Lord. But these people were so calloused in their heart that they could not be tenderized. They were not going to give their life to Jesus. And so these two cities of Tyre and Sidon, they would not repent. And then he even takes it to one that we know much better. Let's read on in 22 and 23. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Do you hear the teachings? Now he's talking about Capernaum, but it's in the same parallel type of teaching of what he's referring to. Jesus came in and did such powerful miracles and such clear teaching. They would Yeah, have- Capernaum, those cities are in a worse relationship with God than even... Should I follow Jesus or not? Do other people in Mount Juliet follow Jesus? Are they accepted or are they considered outcasts? Do they get fired from their job if they follow Jesus? Or do they have a comfortable environment if they follow Jesus? Friends, if this city, if their environment was worse than Sodom, I want to be a disciple of Jesus and I'm from this he looked at Jesus and became a follower no matter what the majority did Enter by the narrow gate for wide. Talking about heaven. You think Jesus intended for the Christian life to be easy? No. He says, difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are Few who find it. Philip, why are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ because you looked around the majority of your town and decided to do what they were doing? And he'd say, absolutely not. You can't imagine the town I came from. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ because it would be easy in your town to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you kidding? Philip, why are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Because I want to go with Jesus even if that's going with the minority. high in high school, and I need to realize that it doesn't change for the rest of my life. As long as I'm faithful to God, I'll always be in the minority. As long as I'm faithful to God, today's sunrise wasn't wasn't what I wanted. It's a narrow way. In other words, it's not easy to stay on it. Walk even through the difficulties. Yes, there's going to be to be losses why would I want to do that he's walking what is to come we just sung a beautiful song about each of our steps leading home I think about our kids going off to college right now do you remember the first time that you left home I know for some of you that's a stretch okay let's try to do this okay do you remember? It's getting harder for me to remember, too. Do you remember when you first left home? And I would come back in, even if it was in, from college or even after I college, graduated from college and lived up north. You know, when we were driving back home, there was one intersection. It was three miles from my house. Every time I turned into that intersection... I either thought to myself or I said it out loud if somebody was with me or maybe even if they weren't, I'd say, this is home stretch. I knew every dip, bump, curve, straight away. I could have almost driven that in my sleep. Every step led closer to home as long as I was on the home stretch. The Lord says, in other words, I want you to realize not every step leads closer to home. But it does if you're on the narrow way. That's the home stretch. Are you on the narrow way? Sure, it has some crooks and some bends in the sense that it's difficult. But stay on the narrow way. Why? Just because of the way? No, because it's home stretch. Look what's coming. Friends, I don't want to drive. And then when when you're supposed to when you're supposed to be able to open your eternal ever see Jesus if we're looking at Jesus through the majority's eyes. text and the passage that we just read uh, back one slide again if you will John the first chapter notice there in 44 that that same verse who else was from Bethsaida is the city of Andrew and Peter so now we see our second point and that is it had to be a great encouragement to him to at least have two other people from his city to know they're followers of Jesus does it encourage you when you know that you're walking this spiritual life and there's other people just as committed as you are? Isn't that a great encouragement? Some have even said, and this is, this is just an assumption from, from, they're coming from the same city and also a passage out of John 21. Some have even said probably all three of them were fishermen. Now we know the other two, that Andrew and Peter were but some have even said probably he was a fisherman. And if that was the case, they probably knew each other well before their conversion. They probably saw each other in and out of their daily work. But even if they didn't, can you imagine how wonderful it was for him to find out? You mean you guys have left that culture and you're following Jesus also? And you can imagine Andrew and Peter saying, yeah, man, we're so glad to have you. And Philip saying, I'm so glad to have you. To be able to walk hand in hand on this earth together. That's fellowship. It's sharing in the lives of each other as we are on our home stretch, our journey to the Lord. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 John, the first chapter. Let's notice something about the fellowship that we are to share, not only with the Lord, but even with others. First John, the first chapter. We're going to look at verse 7. It's page 1082 in your pew Bible. 1082. This whole chapter right here is, is pretty much a chapter about fellowship. We read about it in verse 3, and then we read about it more as we get into 6 and 7. But let's notice especially verse 7 as he talks about this. As he says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light. Now see, that's walking with Jesus. If Jesus is walking in the light, and we walk in the light, that's walking along with Jesus. So he says there, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, in this, is He talking about that we have fellowship with one another, Jesus and us, or is He talking about if I'm walking in the light with Jesus, and you're walking in the light with Jesus, and you're walking in the light, and you're walking in the light, and you're walking in the light? All of a sudden, we look around and we see a lot of other people that's walking in light with Jesus, and so we walk in the light with Jesus, but we also walk in the light with Jesus as we. Look Pit. We were not saved to walk this way alone. Friends, that's what fellowship is. It is that we aren't in this alone. 1 uh, uh, Corinthians the 12th chapter would teach us that we need to rejoice with each other and we need to cry with each other and everything else in between. We are all members of one body. And when one of us suffers, the other goes around to comfort, to aid, to help in some way. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Philip, Lord. And he said, I didn't see him through the eyes of the majority. But it did help me to see him through the eyes of his followers. How important it is that as we are a light for God Matthew the 5th chapter Let's think about a third point as we move towards a close. In our text, we see was because he had an image in his mind of what Jesus was supposed to be. Look at our text again, John the first chapter. Notice what he does in verse forty-five. Now we don't have time in this lesson to bring out the point. awesome point when we are truly converted to the Lord we want to go out and bring others to the Lord whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph now let's think for just a moment who found who let's see this same text Here, as as we go two slides forward, let's see the same text with something underlined here. Oh, you're already there. Okay, look at this text here in John 1 and 43. Look what's underlined in verse 43. Therefore, uh, the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. So that's real clear. Jesus found Philip. But now let's read again what we just read in 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him. Which one's true? Was Jesus telling the truth when he said, I found Philip? Or was Philip telling the truth when he said to Nathaniel, we found Jesus? Let's make up a scenario here. We're in group A, and group B decides to separate from us, and we're at a large amusement park, and we say we're going to meet back at 2. As everybody is well out of sight, everybody says to themselves, whoa, we didn't say where we were going to meet. Oh, what are we going to do? Well, let's just at 2, we'll start hunting for each other. So it gets a little bit 42, two, and group A says, hey, we've got to find them. Somebody says, well, let's, let's go around maybe where some of the food areas are, and let's see if we can find them there. And, and group B over here says, well, let's go where there's some setting areas. Maybe they've gathered around there, and so, of course, they each go to their places, and they don't find them. And then one group thinks, let's go to the main entrance, the front gate. And the other group thinks the same thing. And as they're both approaching the front gate, they each say to each other, we found them. Well, now, who's telling the truth? Did A find B or did B find A? But well, we know the answer there. They found each other. Who found who here? Now, this is an awesome point if you want to give Philip a pat on the back. Philip knew who he was looking for. That's why he could recognize Jesus. How did you know Jesus, Philip? He runs back to Nathaniel and he says, You remember we've studied about him in the Scriptures? We've read about what Moses has said and what the prophets have said. You remember that Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph? We found Him. Now, if you'll remember in Luke, the 24th chapter, after the resurrection, there were two men traveling seven miles on the road to Emmaus. And they were disappointed because they hadn't seen the resurrected Lord. And you remember when Jesus came up to them and questioned them about why they were so disappointed and why they were long faced? Do you remember what happened at that point? Jesus began to rebuke them. And I want to read this, verse 25, Luke, the 24th chapter. Let's read together in verse 25. He says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not that Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. What's happened here? Do you see what he just did? Jesus is standing before them. Why are you sad? Well, you know the answer to that. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to be resurrected. Now, play this game with me for just a moment. If you were Jesus, what? You're Jesus. Jesus is the resurrected one. Why didn't Jesus just say, here you go. Hello. I'm Him. What was most important? At this point in time, what was most important to Jesus was for them to know the Scriptures. He started at Moses and went through all the prophets and taught them about Jesus. And when we read later in that same chapter, they finally recognized... He wanted them to know not only that He was the resurrected one, but that the Scriptures themselves are truth. And if we will learn the words of God... Now, this is going to tie in powerful to the last point that we make tonight. If we learn the words of God, we can see Jesus for whom He is. Tonight, we're going to study about Philip being with Jesus all these years, but yet he didn't recognize Him for whom He was this morning. I need to recognize that the beauty of Philip was at least he could recognize that he's the one that had been spoken of from Moses and the prophets. And faithfully serving God without knowing the Scriptures. I've set myself up for failure. I must know the Scriptures. Why? It's the mind of God revealed to us. What does God think? It's revealed. How does God feel? It's revealed. What does God want? It's revealed. God's will in Scripture. This morning, you have a... Those around us that are in our fellowship that are saying, "We'll be baptized into Jesus Christ for their missionary sins." Won't you do that this morning? Don't put off what you know God wants you to do. Don't put off making that lifetime commitment to say, "I'm committing my life to God." Maybe you've begun that walk with the Lord, but somewhere along the way you haven't walked in the light as Jesus has walked in the light, and you've become to identify yourself as one that's out of fellowship with God. Won't you repent and confess your sins one to another, and let's pray one for another. If we can help you in any way, let's make sure we all leave here as a strong starter with Jesus Christ. If we can help you, come as we stand, as we sing.